Welcome to Punta Vista episode 90. Step right up. Step right up. You're out the front of a big tent. Uh, it's red and white striped. I'm wearing a top hat. Uh, one of the red coats with the long tails. I've got a real P.T. Barnum thing going. And Look I want stupid. you to come in here to see the man with the freakiest mullet of all. That's right. I'm talking about Ben. Wow. Hey. It's just... Just bent demurely from his cage. He's just standing hey, there. Hey guys, <laughs> just to everyone that rocks up. What's how are how are how are hey. you you guys? You're at this. That's pretty cool. It's nice uh, to see you. Ben's Ben's in a cage. The bottom is like strewn with straw. He is sitting on a stool in the corner, um, legs crossed, scrolling on his phone. Yeah. And every now and then I'll throw up a shaka as I'm contractually obliged to do once every <laughs> 27 crowd minutes. The gasps and recoils. <laughs> Children have their eyes shielded by their mothers. Oh, grown Don't men vomiting. You'll turn out like that. My Never God. smoke weed. <laughs> and over here, if you look, you'll see the bearded lady with no beard. <laughs> Lucy. Wow, that's a... That's a thing that you just said about me. Mm-hmm. Oh, are nice. you denying that you don't have what a beard or what? Fucking shitty circus. <laughs> it's well, it's too late. You're in the tent, and I've got your money. Well, that's two levels of freakishness, though. You've already paid. No refunds. No yeah. refunds in this tent. I've already got your two bits, your tuppence. That's another kind of old money, Ben. Um. Uh... Everyone I can think of is a real currency that's currently in use. Uh-oh. It died. Say like a shilling or some shit? Every American farthings. money. That's a good one. No one in the world is using farthings at the moment, right? Sure. Sounds right to me. Talents? Talents? What the fuck is a talent? That was a, like a, 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 one of the, the currencies they mentioned in the Bible. Oh. Uh, While we're here, I would like to recommend a television show. Wow. We've been paid for this. Called uh, Dairy Girls. It's very funny. What the fuck? What? Uh, sorry, no, this isn't because of what you were saying. <laughs> Something um, related. Uh, some authorities say that the talent typically weighed about 33 kilograms. Damn! Excuse that can't be a coin. That That's big money. That can't be true. Oh, uh, it was a unit of mass. Uh, uh, not a... Boy. Huh. Don't you have egg on your face. In ancient Greece, one talent was 26 kilograms of silver. So it was a form of currency, but it was not a coin. Yeah, but 26 kilograms of silver is nothing to sneeze at. Hey, brah, just got to pay for my breakfast with this. Drop it, go straight (laughs) through the counter. I'm, of course, imagining a singular hunk of silver. Mm. Yeah, I think it had to be in a chunk, surely. That'd be like the equivalent of you paying for like a $5 drink with five cent pieces. Uh, making it rain at the strip club and like crushing somebody's skull. <laughs> Yelling out, this is all 26 kilos. It's a talent, baby. Making it rain, but you're doing like the shot putting, the shot putting motion. And you're rotating your whole hip and shoulder through there. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, um, there you go, folks. Uh, yeah. Talents. We've all learned something. kilos of silver. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you being a shill for some sort of program. Oh, I was just saying um, that that folks should watch the Netflix series uh, Dairy Girls, which is, oh. I believe, set in the early 1990s, much like episode 90, you know what I'm saying? Um, and mm. it's it's in um, Ireland during the Troubles. Well, I needed Northern subtitles. During the Troubles. I needed some subtitles, I will admit. Well, and, and this was this was what made me think of this, is that when, they, when there's like a bunch of... Um, like marches and demonstrations going uh, in their town, this family says, "Oh, we've got to, we've got to get away, um, you know, before all the riots and shit kick off." And so they go to the countryside, and the mother is freaking out because she's she left her pound purse. She kept yelling, and I was like, "What the fuck is this lady saying?" <laughs> um, and at some point, it becomes clear that she's saying that she has a pound purse and a sterling purse. And I was like, of course. Yeah. Pounds and the sterling. Pussy in um... the ass. <laughs> sure. sure. Wow. Sure. I, I get just, it. I don't know if the way that you live your life is truly a reflection of the way that everybody else lives theirs. Probably this not. Is just living in the moment, baby. <laughs> oh my God. 
Good show. My God. Very enjoyable. Great show. Definitely watch that. I'm happy to be a shill for that one as well. Uh, it's wonderful. Yes. Only six episodes of it out there, but hopefully they'll uh, sling us some more content. You know what I'm saying? Chuck us those episodes, Netflix. I beg you. Woo. Now, speaking of content, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of places you can get it. <laughs> Online, if you will. A bunch of websites that like to dole it out. Uh, like slop to us. Like the pigs that we are. Eating it up from the troughs that are uh, smart. I'm doing air quotes around smart. Smart phones. Mm. Except who looked silly this week? When a bunch of those services went down unexpectedly, apparently. Which I missed because I don't really use Facebook. Mm. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't have any problems today. Yeah, um, wasn't really wasn't really an issue for me. I do use google drive to like store stuff but i'm not retrieving things from it like 80 times a day um apparently there were outages from uh gmail um uh, google drive facebook and all those all those boomer housewives were freaking out as you would be what are you going to do when you can't comment on a story about vaccinations or exactly asian people (laughs) exactly how am I supposed to tell people that I don't want uh, my children copping autism mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. injection that the doctor's trying to give them, you know? And of course, there was one other service that was affected, that went down. And that service was Instagram. And as we know, this disproportionately affects one man who is close to our hearts. That's right, folks. Where the fuck? Where is Shane Warne? Trying to DM some hoes. Go Shane Warne. Saving some pics. Folks, oh, I'm talking about the goodness. world wide web of where the fuck is Shane Warne. Can we just dial it back just a little bit here? Yeah. Now, I hate to peel the curtains back. You know that mm-hmm. I hate that. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to. Yeah. I've got one half the curtains in one hand and I've got the other half in the other. <laughs> and like yep. the part from The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, where Aragorn bursts through the doors of Edoras, uh, the home of... King Theodred of Rohan. <laughs> and it's real badass. Actually, there might be the doors of Helm Deep. I'm not sure. It's one of the two. He throws them open. That's what I'm doing with these curtains, and I look really cool doing it. And I stride in in slow motion. <laughs> yeah. And I say, usually when you do that, you have the music playing behind you. That had like the distinct quality of if you've ever been to a dawn service where it's one trumpet mm. doing the last post. Mm hmm. With all the silences in there that are that really make you ruminate on what's going on. That's what that felt like just then. It, it sure seems did. like a departure from your normal method. Are you are you saying that the Shane Warne theme was too loud? No, no. we didn't get the Shane Warne theme. Oh. We just got the punctuation. Which See, that was really going to be beautiful. my follow-up question was, were you listening to it, but it wasn't coming into our audio? Uh, apparently, that is the case. So, we just got... Uh, we just got me singing. Yeah, the solo version of it. So you got the acapella track. Yes. Yeah. Well, so acapella generally indicates that there's like a group of people for providing the instrument, instrumentation, whereas we really just got the lyrics and nothing else. It sounded well, great. That's a treat. It was a treat. It's a treat for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, there's my question answered. Um, I'm going to walk over to one side of the room, grab one half the curtains, <laughs> drag yep. it back over. Uh, you have to understand, I threw them apart very dramatically and they've slid and slid along the rails a little bit further than I can get with both arms mm-hmm. outstretched. You know, reach out on your tippy toes. And I'm Grab going over curtain. the other side of the room and I'm uh, closing them back over and the curtains are closed. You can't okay. peek behind there. Everything's back to normal. Folks. Don't look behind there. Hmm. We're done. So if you're wondering to yourself, where in the wide world of whatever is Shane Warne? Um, the answer is he's being very concerned about Instagram. Um, Shane Warne has posted a tweet to his 3.43 million followers. Oh, wow. That can't be true. How many of those are bots, you reckon? Powerful. He's got to have paid for those, for sure. Well, 
well, think about it, you know, cricket, cricket's a pretty um, international sport. People in more than one country like it. If it was like, a, if it was a rugby league player with like two or three million followers, I'd be like, fuck off. But Shane Warne, he's a man who transcends boundaries, you know, <laughs> transcends borders. Uh, he, the only boundaries he transcends is women's personal space. Correct. That's pretty good. It was nice. Liked it. Thank you. I mean, you could have indicated that with laughter. It would have been easier, but that, yeah. My no, microphone I was, was muted. I was, uh, I was taking a big drink. Laughing <laughs> uproariously. No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> I don't need that sort of positive feedback anyway. I feel content in myself, but go on. <laughs> so Shane has posted a tweet to his 3.43 million followers uh, saying, anyone know what's up with Instagram? Help! Capital I'm horny letters. as hell and I can't do anything about <laughs> so it. Capital what letters. What do I do? Needed. Poor horny Warney just doesn't even know that you can just look at pictures of like, what, well, like clearly Shane Warne's tastes run to um, just, just half naked bikini clad women on Instagram. Um, Does he know that you can find not only other photos of women in bikinis, but women out of their bikinis in I other places on the internet? that would do anything for him. Like, do, you think I, he, do you think he craves the interaction with a real he person? He craves the interaction. I don't think he even wants to have sex, necessarily. I think what he wants is he wants to be flirty, uh, as mm-hmm. his sexting scandal that we all recall from the we far past. We all know and love. Uh, you know, it's for him, it's the thrill of the chase. Mm. Uh, I don't think he is... He's not, you know, staring at half-naked ladies with his eyes popping out of his head like a cartoon dog. Uh, he wants that titillating conversation. He's sort of like James Bond in that regard. It's mm. true. And and to be fair to Shane Warne, if you are liking the photos of, say, um, you know, Instagram influencer model type women, and they are to look at your profile and notice that, say, you have... 3.43 million Twitter followers. You might not list that on your Instagram profile, but, you know, he's verified. He's a celeb. Not sure how many Instagram followers Shane Warne has. Um, I'm guessing it's it's a reasonable amount. But, uh, but you know, the, the, the types of ladies whose things that he's faving, it's entirely possible that they would be intrigued and tempted by, by the adjacent fame of the man himself. You know? Hmm. True. True. Possibility. I mean, look, it's working for him. Clearly. Nine hundred thirty-five thousand Instagram followers. That's a lot. I think I have about seventy-five. Yeah, it's a lot, and it's extremely well documented that if you are to look through the posts that Shane Warne likes, um, they are just exclusively. Um, big tittied blonde ladies in bikinis. That's pretty much it. I think he's got like a kind of like that's what men in the 90s were into, right? Like now if you, you're a horny person, you go on the internet and you can look at every single kind of porn that you've ever imagined. That's so true. Like l- literally anything. There are millions of videos there's professionally like every made. kind of incest. There's like it's, stepdads. Oh, there's like mostly real dads. incest. <laughs> mostly incest. They, and they just keep making them. And it's, I'm trying to catch up. It's and largely them out free. faster than I can watch them. Uh, but in the 90s, the horniest thing you could see was a like, you know, when you've got the exact side profile of a topless woman, where if she had rotated an eighth of a degree more, you'd be able to see a nipple. Mm hmm. But you can't because she hasn't rotated that eighth of a degree. That you is can't. the horniest image you could possibly see. You would have one of those on the wall of a mechanic's garage and that would be Ooh, like the yeah. best thing that happened to you in a year. Yeah, I think that's about right. And I um, think that's where his mindset is at. The horniest thing you could see was um, 1990s Pamela Anderson in a bikini flaunting mm. her new tattoo of barbed wire around her bicep. Damn. Did she get that um, to commemorate doing the film Barbed Wire? She did. Wow. She sure did. I've been meaning to rewatch that movie. Oh, don't. I have not seen it since the 90s. 
It's not good. I don't think I've seen it. Let's let's all watch this film. It yeah. Oh, should we do a commentary track for it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or should we do, do something? Well, we got to figure out how this. to do like a watch along thing with the Discord people. How about instead of watching Pamela Anderson do a horny ripoff of Casablanca, Boo, you watch Casablanca you. and then you watch something horny. Just get the best of both worlds, not the worst I'd rather of both sp- worlds. I'd rather split screen watch Casablanca and a porno. <laughs> <laughs> that. Sounds then, like art to me. I'm not. A- I would rather do that. I would rather do that than just watch Casablanca. Casablanca is one of the fucking funniest movies in the world. I just rewatched it for like the twenty fifth time two nights ago. No movie makes me as happy as Casablanca. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you've never seen it because you're like, ah, oh, it's some boring forties bullshit, it is a fucking amazingly funny movie. Like one in every five lines in that movie is laugh out loud funny. All the performances are amazing. It was one of the first movies in Hollywood to take an explicitly anti-Nazi stance because it was released in 1941 when America was still undecided about the war. Thanks, America. Uh, Like a large portion of the actors in the film were genuine refugees from the war. There's a lot of people that had literally one of the actors in it had escaped a concentration camp uh, and ended up playing a Nazi in the film, which is kind of ironic but there are like so many amazing beautiful things about that movie that make it genuinely perfect please watch that movie it sounds like one of hollywood's typical leftist sjw fests Mm -hmm. am i right lucy it does not yeah they definitely would have made a lot of like youtube videos about how (laughs) pandering george soros money funding it oh dear Uh, but watch that movie if you're listening to it and you haven't seen it please please watch this movie thank you so I know what you're thinking. Punta Vista, I thought you guys talked about politics and the news. Serious stuff. And here you are discussing um, Shane Warne's semi as he clicks through <laughs> clicks through Instagram liking oh, things. It's important news. It is important. But now we're going to pivot. We're going to bring you the real news. That's right, folks. I'm talking about... Oh, wait. See, now I'm, now I'm really worried that this, this audio isn't going to come through to you oh, guys. Are going to play? <laughs> no. Well, now that we've discussed it. Well, just describe it to us. It. Well, I'm just going to play the regular old news stinger. You guys can imagine it, right? Okay, yes. Got it. Do you think you can imagine it when I say, Eugenics Watch! Mm-hmm. Well, when you say you guys, are you, are you asking the audience to imagine it as well? Because I don't know if they're going to be hearing this. No, I'm going to have to put it in in post. Well, well, now I'm going to look like a fool for talking about this. Mm-hmm. Leave it no, in there. Leave it all in. It's part of the magic. It's part of the magic, folks. If you it. could add um, the noise of some beautiful chimes right now. I'll do Sounds it, but nice. I won't be happy about it. You promise me you put those in? Sounds yeah, pleasant. I promise. That's fine. Anyways. That's right, folks. We're going we're gonna to get into some serious, <laughs> serious political news. And by that, I'm talking about... Uh, Friend, I'm doing air quotes around friend, friend of the show, Mark Latham, who has, of course, become the New South Wales leader for One Nation, the uh, party that's not racist, but it's number one with racists, if you know what I'm saying. And racist. And very racist. Mm-hmm. Exquisitely racist. So, um, basically, Mark Latham has been out here... Uh, Mark Latham has been out here... Spruiking his new plan for, I guess, um, welfare fraud type stuff, which is very normal, and it's to do DNA testing on Aboriginal people to see what percentage Aboriginal they are and find out whether it satisfies him personally. Oh, boy. Now, so this is quite confusing to me because my previous belief was that DNA testing was only a thing that you did. A big load of shit? Well, there's that. But mostly I thought its only application was for white people to find out the exact mix of Germanic to Celtic that they had in them. That's right. And then to post um, about it on I their complete, Facebook. I completely disagree. It's actually for white people to find out what percentage Native American they are so that they can validate their tribal tattoos mm. and dream catchers that they have up around their house. Uh, but of course, it's also with that massive margin of error uh, where... It's like these weird genetic markers that mean maybe you came from that region at some point. Maybe. But also, perhaps you did not. And also, 
they're going to use that data to pin you for being a serial killer later. So the golden keep that state in mind killer. if you're a serial killer. He's the real victim of DNA testing, when you think about it. <laughs> the real victims. Was that one guy. So let's, um, let's take a little listen to Mark Latham on Nine News. And Mark Latham joins us now from Camden in New South Wales. Good morning to you, Mark. Morning, Deb. Now, you're running for New South Wales Parliament. This is a federal issue. Why are you even raising it? No, there's a whole host of New South Wales Indigenous welfare programs, positions reserved for Aboriginal people, the land council system where you need to qualify. Boy, the land councils in New South Wales have got assets of $5 billion. So there's a huge amount of state money that goes into this area. And what I'm saying, if the technology exists for the DNA ancestry testing, let's use it. Let's find out uh, the heritage of the people applying for Indigenous programs. And obviously, if uh, they've got very little or they've got none, they're trying to rot the system. That's no good. We should be respecting genuine Indigenous identity and getting the money to the people in need who've got the genuine Aboriginal background. Oh boy, <sighs> my goodness. I, I feel like um, if the technology exists, is doing a lot of lifting for this policy. <laughs> Certainly, yes. If perhaps this fevered dream that I've had is a reality, let's make it happen. And, like, what, what gets me about all this is, of course... Is it the eugenics? It's mainly the eugenics, <laughs> you know? Um, it's, it's this idea of, like, why the fuck should he or any other white person have this, like, determining idea of exactly what percentage of, of Aboriginal or Indigenous heritage you need to have to claim, like, you know, a, a birthright or a bloodline to a culture. Just, I, I can't even begin to wrap my head around it. Um, and, and more than anything else, it strikes me as being that usual, like, conservative bad, bad faith argument of saying, oh, what this is actually about is I want to make sure that the money's going to the right people who really deserve it. Which makes me think of, like, all of the same insistence on applying, like, unreasonable means testing and qualification for welfare and for unemployment mm. benefits and all that sort of shit. Where it's always under this guise of, like, well, but we don't want it going to the wrong people. So what we're going to do is set all of these arbitrary benchmarks that actually make it impossible for anyone to get. Or that are so expensive they invalidate the process, like the... Um the cost of the robo-debt yes. thing was mm. nearly exactly the same as the amount of money that they got back from the robo-debt thing. So we have, we have talked about this on the show before, but if you are an international listener, when we say robo-debt, we are referring to uh, Centrelink. Debt which from is, the robots that the government gives out to you in Australia. Yes, robots mm. will send you a debt notice here. So Centrelink is the government agency that handles um, you know, unemployment benefits and all that kind of thing. And... Basically, they set up this program to just sweep over, like, people's bank statements along with the payments that they had received from the government. And if it detected what it thought was any kind of discre uh, discrepancy, it would automatically generate a payment notice to you and say, Hey, we think that maybe this happened and you owe us $5,000, so you got 30 days to prove that that's not actually true and that this happened differently six years ago. Otherwise, you just have to pay it. Um, and as Ben said, in recent Senate estimates inquiries, um, I think they were asked how much it cost to run the program or like how much money they, they had generated through the program and it was like $500 million, but it cost over $400 million to run the program in the first place. Good stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff. But of course, it's not about actually getting the money. It's just about punishing people. Mm -hmm. uh, for even being previously unemployed. That's what safety nets are for. Humiliating and destroying people. Yep. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, it's basically just about uh, validating the idea that you can only belong to a culture if you look a particular way. And, and I mean, this is... so. 
Something I find the, very this interesting. Is, this here. is the issue that fucking Andrew Bolt got got like convicted of official yeah, racism this was about, this, wasn't it? It was. Convicted it was. Racist. He wrote these fucking columns about all these different people who who had like either received some type of scholarship or were in some sort of role at a university that related to their indigenous heritage, and he was just printing pictures of them and saying, "Well, they got blonde hair. How can they be Aboriginal?" Like that, that seemed to be the cut and thrust of his argument. And if we, if we look here, we've got One Nation's New South Wales. Mark Latham says the party will introduce laws to force anyone claiming Aboriginal ancestry to prove it with the DNA test in a bid to, quote, stop welfare orders. Two weeks out from polling day, Mr. Latham said One Nation, if elected, would work to abolish self-identification and replace it with a system requiring DNA evidence. Quote, Australians are sick and tired of seeing people with blonde hair and blue eyes declaring themselves to be indigenous when clearly they have no recognisable Aboriginal background and are doing it solely to qualify for extra money, the policy statement says. Like, how much clearer could it be right there in black and white? If you don't look black enough for me, you can't get the black people's money. (laughs) Like, it's something I find very strange about this is that Mark Latham's introduction to the party was meant to herald this sort of uh, more cerebral angle for the party, right? That, like, uh, he, that they had generally been run by people that had come from outside the political sphere and were completely incompetent, which is why they've had nothing but infighting and technical problems the whole time that they've been in. Whereas this is a guy who was, you know, opposition leader been in politics for years and years and years he comes from a relatively academic background this was the introduction of some smarts into their political campaigning a strategic genius who you know was going to come in and completely change the face of them and what he's done is he has brought them back to their basically early one nation racism because as we know they they pick a group of people they dislike and they focus on them for a while so one of their founding issues was they didn't believe any indigenous people should be getting money. Then they moved into Asian immigrants. Then they moved into Muslim immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they've moved into African immigrants and Muslims. And now, yeah, this is his genius masterstroke. Right He's gone back to their, their 90s racism, uh, but- which apparently is still, I guess, if that's what they're doing, is an issue that works with their voter base. I mean, obviously, it'd be absurd to say that racism against indigenous people in Australia has ever gone away because it clearly hasn't but it's it's certainly an odd move that they're going back to this but clearly it has traction and this is what they're doing now is they're not their ultimate aim isn't to police which indigenous people get money they don't want them getting money you know the whole narrative that these fucking people have is that, you know, oh, all this happened ages ago. Why are they getting this money? Blah, 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 blah. Fucking, you know, they can't get rid of it entirely. But this is something they think they can at least get some traction on is being able to police who gets it to their sufficient standard. Uh, it's just, it's, it's fucking shit. Oh, it's like I was saying, it It just, it, it really pisses me off how many of these various sort of conservative things are just this bullshit crocodile tears thing of just shifting goalposts and pretending to care about groups that you very clearly don't give a fuck about as a way of directing attention off the fact that you're just trying to shaft this particular group of people like I said welfare recipients you know this this obsession of making sure that people have applied for 30 jobs every month, making sure they're not getting money from some other source, making sure that they're not, you know, doing doing non-declared work on the side to fucking make ends meet because New Start in this country is below the poverty line. This constant obsession with, with proving that anybody who is receiving any kind of benefit from the government is is sufficiently poor, is sufficiently like valorous it it, it's this whole thing of like if you are going to receive money from the government you just need to be this incredibly specific 
niche idea of a of a virtuous poor person that they imagine and in this case as as he says quote we will tighten the eligibility rules for aboriginal identity to require dna evidence of at least 25 percent indigenous the equivalent of one fully aboriginal grandparent now it's obvious on the basis of that that the idea of this as well is that as any generation proceeds people will stop being able to claim aboriginal identity essentially right. if you have one fully aboriginal grandparent then your child your child cannot claim aboriginal identity um so great bit of eugenics um trying to just you know officially sanction the government breeding out of aboriginal identity nice trip back to australia's founding but like i said it, it goes for welfare recipients and it also goes for um uh it goes for like the same thing of when people talk about domestic violence in this country um you know, and say we have a massive problem with domestic violence. There are seven stories on the front page of the paper about women being murdered by their male partners. And the response from conservative talking heads is, oh, well, have you gone out to like an, an Aboriginal township in, oh, in the God. central desert? I love that. And, and talk to them about their domestic violence? It's like, oh, I thought I might actually talk about this thing that's happening right in front of me in the place that I live right now. And yeah, just just this obsession. I mean, the same thing happened. We were talking recently about um, about the thing with Yumi Steins on on that fucking Studio Ten show, where you know um, Carrie Ann Kennelly was saying, "Oh, all these people saying that we should change the date of Australia Day. Have any of them gone out and done anything about the domestic violence in Aboriginal communities?" <laughs> it's like, what a Have fucking you? yeah. Have you? <laughs> Well, but but also, it's just this imaginary goalpost. Yeah. Of, you know, yeah, and until you have fixed all the equivalent problems that this other culture has to our own, you can't complain about our own culture or have demand any kind the of change. In Saudi Arabia, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Are you over there driving cars for them? Huh. Mm. I think they Absolutely. can drive now. Some. They sure can. The the activist ladies can. And of course, Mark is also in the news um, describing Wollongong uh, as saying Wollongong is full and he would like to cut off immigration. <laughs> the bustling metropolis of Wollongong. Wollongong. Well, just it's you wait. Full. Wollongong risks, this is from the, uh, from the Illawarra Mercury, Wollongong risks becoming, quote, the Bangkok of the South. Due to immigration levels. <laughs> let's just try and... Let's pull back for a second and try and interpret the statement that Wollongong is becoming, quote, the Bangkok of the South. A Lucy, of, what do you um, think that means? Go. Uh, the, the Chinese people oh. there. Is that it? Is that the whole thing? Just... Well, number one, I would kind of argue that I mean, if anything, Thailand is Thai relatively people. parallel to us. It's not like it's not like we're in some completely different part of the world to Thailand. But, but don't we only hate Chinese people? Mostly, in the conservative world? But they're buying up all the houses. Don't I feel you like know? there's a lot of a lot of Korean people uh, in Australia now. I'm waiting for like the one nations of the world to catch up with like. When are they going to start ha hating on Koreans? That's what I want to know. My question yeah. is, when are they going to turn on white South African people? Finally. When will we? Because that's when I become a one-nation I'm, I'm already there. Apologies to our one white South African listener. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, mate. But <laughs> sorry. you know who you are and you know what you, you do. You know who you are. Uh, Mr. Latham was at North Wollongong to launch the party's seven-point plan for the Illawarra. Number one on that list is to slow population growth to maintain current levels, easing congestion, and aiding the city's, quote, wonderful lifestyle. We want to preserve the lifestyle, and slashing immigration helps to do that, Mr. Latham said. He said one of the things he liked about Wollongong was that it had, quote, become a one... It had, quote, become wonderfully cosmopolitan. Oh, my goodness. What does that when mean? When it was pointed out... <laughs> When it was pointed out that cosmopolitan character occurred because of immigration, Mr. Latham said, you can't have too much of a good thing. 
Right. So it was good, but we've had enough. Have they got... Well, I assume they've got a candidate running for whatever seat Wollongong is in the federal election. Uh, I mean, who... Other than the people that live in Wollongong, like, no one that thinks of Wollongong as an ideological battleground, right? Maybe if you live there, Ben, with the people, the good people of Wollongong. The good people of Wollongong, who I, mean, I know nothing all, about. Wollongong's nice. I like Wollongong. Speech. It's pretty chill. So it's what? not Sydney, so it's got that going for it. Hell yeah. What gets me about this, right? Is he says, um, sure, immigration in Australia was successful for Sydney in this re- region through the 60s and 70s and 80s, he said. <laughs> If you want to live here now, you don't want to live in the Bangkok of the South. You want to have an area that maintains lifestyle. It's got to have urban containment strategies. It doesn't have congestion. Once you've achieved that cosmopolitan lifestyle, you want to keep that and not have that spoiled by congestion where you can't find a parking spot. You've got to stand up on the train. Oh, oh God. no. Must but be like, terrible. Wh- That's like the 10 minutes that most office workers stand up in their entire day. That is literally the mm-hmm. only thing stopping them from dying time. of heart disease. I'm engaging my core. Um, what gets me about this, though, is like, as usual, the weird sort of ideological blindness to the idea that like, yes, uh, immigration bought us all of these benefits across four decades he says but like the the issue isn't that immigration exists the issue is how you manage it so it's almost like if you get yourself into a place where you hate everybody who is not white who lives in the country you live in that you're gonna have beef with immigration i mean obviously um he likes being able to go to chinese restaurants Probably doesn't like Thai restaurants if he's against being the Bangkok of the South. But yeah, just just this idea of like, oh, we had all of this massive growth and great um, cultural growth and all of these things, but suddenly I've decided I don't like it because the last several decades have all been like hyper neoliberal policy. Um, so what's the solution? No more immigration. Makes Seems sense. Healthy. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me, folks. That's probably... Look, if we're being real, it's probably enough about Mark Latham and eugenics watch for the moment. Why is he still going? I feel like it's just just time to die, you know? What do you think is going to happen when he loses his bid for the New South Wales Parliament? Do you think he'll give up? He's got to give up at some point. He'll never give up. Just enjoy your retirement money and move on. Apparently, um, Alan Jones donated $10,000 to his campaign. So. Oh, great. Mm. Yeah, he sure did. Speaking of large sums of money, mm. let's take mm. a trip. Um, imagine, imagine that like you're looking at a map with a red dot that's drawing a line right across the map of Australia. We're going all the way to Western Australia, folks. No, thank you. I'm fine. Well, you can stay here and do it, do it okay, by phone. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, to this story, Western Australia Commissioner to Japan fired after corruption investigation. Folks, we got a good old case of corruption on our hands. You yes. know that we love it. Love a bit of corruption. We had our long, our long and wide-ranging boat watch series, of course. Um, but this is different. This is an, an ambassador, some kind of ambassador. A commissioner. Corrupt behaviour by former West Australian Commissioner to Japan, Craig Peacock, cost taxpayers more than $500,000 and took at least a decade to be picked up, according to a report released by the state's Crime and Corruption Commission. The triple C, baby. Peacock used his role, his position of trust, the discretion afforded him, and limited supervision by his employer to enrich himself, benefit his friends, and to cover up what could have been a career-ending drink-driving incident, alleges the report. Now, this is the part of this that tickled me. The Commission's list of claims against Peacock includes a decade of double-dipping on cost-of-living allowance claims and payments, which Peacock authorised, totaling nearly $500,000. Nice little half mil for yourself of claims that you were authorising. Great stuff. 
reimbursements for the cost of utilities and storage totaling $65,000, to which he was not entitled under his contract, reimbursements for membership to the Tokyo branch of the Beefsteak and Burgundy Club, where he served for nearly 13 years as its chief wine master. What is the Beefsteak and Burgundy Club? I don't know, That's but I want to join. epic bacon man shit. <laughs> I love it. Now, you may think to yourself, that's the silliest one. That's the silliest one. Um, reimbursements for his membership to the Tokyo branch of the Beefsteak and Burgundy Club. The next item on the list is misuse of his official passport for travel to China to attend a convention of the Beefsteak and Burgundy Club. <laughs> <laughs> convention wow we're all getting together and just talking beefsteak god damn Ben what do you picture when I say beefsteak and burgundy club well so to me beefsteak like saying beefsteak like one word is like a real cowboy thing yep and burgundy are we talking like the wine I believe like a, so. a, a burgundy it's just a very odd combination to me because I don't think I've had... I think maybe I had a sparkling burgundy that I might have bought because I was easily swayed when I was 19. Sparkling burgundy. I, well, all right. I wanted to be fancy, right? Uh, and I thought, how you be fancy when you're 19 and you're buying wine for the first time is you get sparkling wines. All right? Passion, passion pop. But no, I wanted fancy, so I got a sparkling burgundy. Some sparkling mm. yellowtail. Uh, I just don't think I've seen a burgundy anywhere. Is it? I'm doing some googling here because burgundy wine. Is this real? Have you made this up? Well, I mean, the sparkling version of it is real. Oh, right. all right. So it's a it's a region in France, right? Of course. And they're made from. Huh. Okay. So grapes. It's not a varietal of grape. It's wines that come from the region are a burgundy. And the red wines are made from Pinot Noir grapes. And the white ones are made from Chardonnay grapes. And then they put it in a soda stream. So a burgundy doesn't have to be burgundy, the colour. I think we've all... Fascinating. We've all learned something there. Mrs. Sommelier over here. That's how you say that word. Yep. (laughs) Sommelier. So I'm I'm picturing a cowboy drinking a wine from a cut crystal glass. But he's also eating like just an absolutely burnt to shit piece of terrible beef that's all all in one piece and it's on a fork. Yeah, it's like kidney shaped. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Additional items include non-payment of taxes in Australia or Japan since at least 2010. An unreported crash in a state-leased car while Peacock was severely intoxicated after which he spent 48 hours in prison, was fined and disqualified from driving. Wow. It's a big pimp move right there. And this is my personal favourite. Destroying a computer hard drive following a direction to bring his work computer to Perth. (laughs) (laughs) To me, that screams innocence. There's nothing, nothing that screams like, uh, nothing to see here, like smashing your computer's hard drive smashing your computer. Hey, uh... fucking hammer. So I saw your email about bringing my computer in, and I did do that. I just have to let you know, on the way to work, I accidentally brought a drill press for $550, (laughs) and I bought a diamond-tipped 10-millimeter bit, uh, and I just went up and down through the hard drive accidentally about 150 times um so the computer doesn't start anymore but here's but my here's receipt here's my receipt for the diamond bit for which if i will you need could to reimburse be reimbursed me for the drill of the bit that would be amazing because <laughs> they were very expensive oh, uh side note i was just going to be like wow one of you guys has some really heavy rain going on it's like right in the mic and then it's i took you, out my it? noise cancelling headphones and it's Ah, that's me. It's really bucketing down here. It's the uh, tropical paradise of Brisbane. It is substantially heavy. That is wild. Hmm. Explains why the air got so sticky all of a sudden. Now, Ben, I understand that we want to make sure today that we work in enough time for a nature corner segment. 
You're absolutely right. Uh, so last night, as I was working, as I want to do sometimes, I my final story for the week of my, my rostered hours, I usually try and leave as like a fun story. Just like a fun story for me to do. Won't necessarily get a lot of traffic. Uh, isn't necessarily something that our audience would care about, but it's something that I find funny to write about. It's like a little treat that I give myself. <laughs> and right as I was about to finish up, I saw a report released uh, from the Australian Transport Safety Bureau, the ATSB, which I'm not overwhelmingly familiar with the work that they do. Uh, but I, I saw this report come up and I... My Jesus goodness. Christ. I, great I great was, ambience. Great ambience. Yeah, I feel like I should be saying something spookier. Um, so I found this very interesting. I'm going to throw a question to both of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, I want you each to estimate what you think is the average number of times per year in Australia that a bird gets hit by a plane. Per year. Per year. Just random figure off the top of your head. What you reckon is a reasonable amount for the amount of times uh, that it is Does, recorded. Uh, sorry, just to clarify that someone reports hitting. Whoa! Oh, my Jesus. goodness. Christ. That's spooky stuff. That's quite Yikes. nearby. I'm going to say 1,200. That's uh, Lucy? a high estimate. I would, I would put it... At, it's, it's pretty good. Birds hit planes a lot. That's well, you why Sally had expert. to... That's why You're Sally had to land in the Hudson River, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. a double bird strike, both engines. So I'd, I'd say it's a few hundred. Oh, right? my God. You used the correct word as well. Bird strike. Bird strike. Mm-hmm. That's what it's called. <laughs> are a huge nerd. Uh, well, as an example, so they, they did a study of the 10-year period, and the we had a record-breaking year in 2017, which is the last year of this 10-year period that they were studying. 1900 bird strikes were recorded. Oh my goodness. My guess was not high enough. Apparently no, but not. I mean, my guess would have been way lower than this. But the way my logic works is that uh, planes, quite big. Mm-hmm. The sky, huge. Birds, very small, right? They're also very stupid, though, right? Well, I also kind of think that, you know, I, I don't know if the air around a plane. You know, the displacement or whatever would push them out of the way or whatever. I just sort of assumed... Yeah, I would think so. It's not really going to happen a lot, but it, it happened shitloads. So, in a 10-year period, 16,626 bird strikes were recorded. So many birds. Now, because this is aviation safety, every single incident that happens has to be extraordinarily well-documented. Right? Like... Oh. How do they uh, record this? How do they well, know? Well, yeah, they report it in, right? Right. Uh, because they have to. Because an incident happened on their flight. Um, they record, you know, the make and model of the plane, the airport that it happened at, the time that it happened at, the number of birds that were involved, the species of bird that was involved. They record the weight of the bird or the sum total of the weight of birds that hit the plane. And so they put up these spreadsheets on the website for every single one of these incidents they have a comprehensive record of everything that happened so they can pull different statistics from it like uh, of these 16,626 accidents well sorry not accidents they're occurrences uh, which are then subdivided into incidents serious incidents and accidents uh, of those Nine resulted in minor injuries to passengers or the pilots, which is wild. What? What, uh, what did they hit to? Maybe these <laughs> to are for smaller this. planes, like light planes. Yeah, I guess maybe that's like a pelican going through the window of a sandpiper or something. Yeah, yeah, like hit, hitting an albatross with the propellers <laughs> of your, yeah, of your exactly. like, little Cessna. You had your window open, and then a pigeon got through and got all up in your face. Uh, of. So one in ten of every one in bird ten strike. of one in ten of these incidents is the the pilots that were shooting at Indiana Jones and his dad in uh, the Temple of Doom when he flapped at them with his umbrella and made them all fly through the windows and the propellers. Yes. Uh, so one in ten of those that involved a plane with a jet engine, uh, a bird was 
ingested in one of those engines mm-hmm. and that in 11 of those 16,626 accidents uh, more than one bird went through more than one engine at, in the one thing which is fucking wild so all of this was crazy to me right like I'm just scrolling through this list being like oh wow that's amazing you can see that on January 24th 2013 at 8am in the morning seven galas collided with an Airbus A320 or whatever, which is pretty strange. But the strangest thing God, about I this... I bet they got turned into a fucking paste. Uh, and looking at it just from, like, scrolling through the thing, galahs seem to be by far the most common bird that were hit by planes. Well, there's a reason Those that they are... Co- bloody like, galahs. They're used as, as a stupid bird. So, the bird stuff, pretty wild. The really fucking crazy shit is the data on animal strikes... So they did uh, the same sort of analysis of the same period of time and put up a second spreadsheet. In the second spreadsheet, this was for terrestrial animals, there were 396 recorded incidents with animals in that same 10-year period. Uh, and what kind of animals are we talking here? Oh, I am going to break this down for you by the numbers. So... There were eight bandicoot strikes. There were three bearded dragon strikes. I'm very confused already. Two cane toad strikes. One incident in which someone hit a bull. A bull? Two incidents in which someone hit a cow. Two incidents in which someone hit a dingo. There were six incidents in which someone hit a dog. And in one of those incidents... The log specifically records that it was the pilot's dog. (laughs) Why would you admit to that? So it's like dog, category, dog slash fox, pilot's dog. Uh, There were five incidents where someone hit an echidna. Three incidents where someone hit an emu. 37 instances where someone hit a fox. 10 instances where someone hit a goanna. There were 89 instances in which someone hit a hare. There was one incident in which someone hit a horse. What would hitting a hare even do to a, a plane? You like know? if you're traveling fast enough. on the runway, right? Uh, yeah, most of the time these happen on the runway, either as they're landing or as they're taking off. It would be pretty weird if they didn't. <laughs> if they were like 10,000 feet up. Just hit a horse. Uh, there were 59 instances where they hit a kangaroo. 13 incidents where they hit just a generic sort of lizard. There were two incidents where they hit a monitor lizard. Three incidents where they hit a quokka. Wow. Oh, no. Those beautiful little smiling things. There was one incident where someone hit a robber crab. Oh, I was just... No, 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 no. Uh, The fucking... I've been been watching, like, the Planet Earth... uh, The Planet Earth 2 documentary with my kids, right? Uh Uh-huh. Putting mm-hmm. them shits on. The robber crab or coconut crab. <laughs> oh, it's the coconut That's the one. crab. Yeah, so these, these are the ones that will drag a fucking coconut five kilometers away before they open it because they're fucking stupid. Um, they're also huge and fucking terrifying. They have like a leg span of one meter. They're gross. Hideous I creatures. hate fuck so much. That shit. And like all the photos of them on the internet are like by someone's bad flash on their digital camera <laughs> where it's one that's as big as the garbage bin that it's holding onto. As they freak the fuck out about this thing they're looking at. Yeah. It's a fucking nightmare. Folks, just Google uh, robber crab, coconut crab or whatever and just get prepared to be fucking freaked out by how huge these things are. They climb up trees. They steal coconuts. They're awful beasts. Um, but I can absolutely imagine how running over one of them with your plane might might cause a little bump in your tummy. It is the largest land-living arthropod in the world. Oh, didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So, specifically, this happened when an A-Bus A319 taking off from Christmas, Christmas Island hit a robber crab. The description of the incident is, during the takeoff, the aircraft struck a robber crab. The end? Okay. That's it. That's the whole description. Goddamn. That happened on the 29th of June, 2013. Was someone just there to, like, 
he saw it happen and like helped the crab like who's recording this i mean i assume it would have been like they're going to take off there's a bump they're like what the fuck was that they turn around someone goes out goes up yep yeah no that was a robber crab so dramatic yikes it's very Very dramatic dramatic. uh the list goes on uh we hit four possums 65 rabbits two rats one of those rats was an australian swamp rat uh which is what i call friend of the show max laverne I was waiting for someone to come up there. There's a, there's a single there's a single item in here that I really cared about, and I'm waiting for you to hit it. Oh, I can't remember what this is, but I can't wait to find out. Somebody, uh, somebody, I saw these logs, and somebody struck an emu. Oh, I thought I'd already said that. They he, hit a, a bunch of emu. emus. Oh uh, three God. emus, I believe. Yeah, three of them. <sighs> uh, there were eight turtles that got hit. Goddamn. Uh, a lot of snakes. Uh, oh my god! This is one thing. Why that would really you even report hitting a snake? Come on. So Just you know how I said that thing about how uh, they record the weight of the thing that they've hit. Let yeah. me just find the entry. What for... the biggest snake that they hit? Uh, no, this is the entry for the toad that they hit. Puts its weight down as one point two kilos. Fuck that. Which is like. Unfathomable. I no one point eight kilos. <sighs> That's like I, as big as big as a healthy chicken. <laughs> it's got to be like the size of a football, right? Like that. God damn. Now, Ben, mm-hmm. I I hate to do this to you, sure, but I need to make sure that we have several minutes. To read this letter that we've received. Oh, I'm not ready for this. How, go on. Have you are, you? are you happy with where you where you got to? I think I said all of the most interesting animals. There are a lot more wallabies, uh, and there was one recorded incident with a wallaroo. A wallaroo, poor little fella. And I'm just glad that we report them so that we don't have a sully incident of our own. Yeah, that's what these. Although tests I would are for. enjoy being in a plane that was sullied. <laughs> <laughs> would you? <laughs> Have to crash land. Are you are you guys ready for this letter? Yes. Do All right. It. For context, close it out with this letter. For context, we were sent a question by a listener a few weeks ago about your your favorite time that you pooped at work, right? Oh, Jesus fucking. So me and Theo got into talking about pooping at work. We asked for people to write in with with you know their own their own war stories. Uh, we got a, we got a very good one on last week's bonus episode, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash Uh about somebody saying that they were in the toilet cubicle at work, sitting down, and somebody came in and occupied the toilet cubicle next to them, and then they heard a fumbling, a smashing of ceramic on, on tiles, and then a hot stream of coffee came under the, <laughs> came under the partition and pulled around their shoes. Um, somebody drinking a nice, big, hot, steaming cup of joe in the work bathroom. Now, I know what you might be thinking to yourself. Wow, these are all crazy shitting at work stories. We've received a follow-up letter from friend of the show, Brick Dust Otis. And I'm going to have to read it to you now. <clears throat> Hi, folks. It's me, ex-wife of the show, Oates pretty rough to i think i don't don't know if this is the first ex-wife that we've ever been contacted by wow brutal it's come to my attention that you're not aware of the reason i sent a question about shitting into the show last week please strap yourselves in and prepare to call a loved one into the room for emotional support or an assisted suicide so on monday morning one of the girls at my work came in and happily announced that she'd been shitting all week and had gastro She ducked out of the room a few times that morning, but other than some uncomfortable faces, she seemed mostly okay. Until just prior to lunch, when the situation took several turns in very short order. First, she stood up quite suddenly. This got my attention, because I do not do any work, and I am always watching everyone in the room and listening to my boss for signs that he knows that I don't do any work. Then she sneezed. Then she shit herself. (laughs) Violently. 
Liquid seeped through her yoga pants and down her legs onto the carpet. It stank like nothing I've ever smelled before. Pretty much everyone was screaming. My boss exited his tiny office and disappeared without a sound. <laughs> the, the mechanics in the workshop rushed in to see why there was screaming and became engulfed in the utter hysterics as we all struggled to not spew. Once things had relaxed a bit and the poor shitter was wrapped in a hastily acquired towel and escorted to the ambulant toilet slash shower to be washed off by some of our female co-workers, I assessed the damage with one of the mechanics, who is an army dude and totally insane and was already bravely cleaning up her bumhole mistake. It felt wrong to leave him to do this alone, so I joined him in his grim work. We both agreed the chair was a write-off and slashed the cushion out and broke the rest into pieces which were double-bagged and thrown into a skip on the street out the front of the office. We then returned and continued to examine slash clean her work area with ethyl alcohol wiping down stuff as we went. During this process we noted the carpet was making a noise, a thing carpet doesn't normally do. After some strategic yanking and slicing of carpet we found moisture. We had to use sand from a spill kit, the stuff with silica gel you use to clean up petrol, to sop up her swampy leavings. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and the whole complex was standing at the upstairs window, watching us lug a brown stained square of carpet across the parking lot to the skip, having presumably heard that someone had violently shit themselves downstairs. The jokes began immediately and our boss granted her a full four days leave from work. Total cost to date, $200 chair, about a square meter of carpet, approximately 500 grams of special sand, and about four hours of work across seven individuals on the day, plus two people having a day of sick leave within the next week. She was back at work Tuesday morning this week after nine consecutive days of absence. I was sure she would resign. Braver than the troops. Someone bought her a picnic, and she just laughed about it. I fear her now more than death itself. <laughs> Yours in the light of Christ, Otis. Oh, wow. Wow. I hated every minute of that. <laughs> <laughs> every line of it. Didn't enjoy it. Oh, folks, if we can take anything away from this... It is the public service announcement that if you have had gastro or you are currently experiencing gastro, please do not go into the office. Please stay home. For if your own ever... sake and the sake of people around you, that's what sick days are for. Huge apologies to international listeners, a.k.a. Americans, for whom this mm. might not be possible. Or for people that are casual employees as well. Americans uh, purchase a nappy of some sort, depends. I assume. Depends in this scenario. Mm -hmm. Yep. Strap them on. Uh, don't take any chances. Because, I mean, look, if you play it with enough confidence, maybe you can bounce back from shitting yourself at work. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be a rough one. It's going to be tough. So that's uh, horrifying. I believe we're all scarred by this now. Mm. Mm. And that wraps us up for this one. <laughs> That wraps us up in wrapped a big, up like a big old nappy. Wrapped up in a big warm adult diaper. Oh, mm -hmm. Folks, thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the show and cop an additional episode every week, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bunta Vista. If you would like to say wear a t-shirt or a pin or get a tote bag that shows that you listen to the show about diarrhea. Head on over to buntavista.com forward slash merchandise. Oh, I didn't know we'd actually already gotten those. I listened to a show about diarrhea pins. In, <laughs> well, uh, that was quite. We do. Quite we fast. do have. We do have. Uh, you can get a a pin or a black tote bag that, in very large letters, has FBI, and then underneath, in smaller words, it says female battling IBS. So you can definitely get shitting related merchandise. From buntavista.com forward slash merchandise. Uh, we appreciate and love every one of you who have listened to the show. We're all sending we you do. warm, wet kisses. As warm and oh, wet don't. as <laughs> the ladies' no, diarrhea no, in the carpet. Come on. Our listeners deserve better than this. Most of them. Do Some they? of them absolutely not. Some of mm. them, sure. You know who you are. Some. Again. 
one one South African listener. <laughs> uh, one, one South African expat in Australia. You know who you are. You know who you are. So until next time, folks. Thank you. And goodbye. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.